Episode 47, which you've all been waiting for with bated breath because I got sick and we couldn't record last week. But out of the ashes of that sickness is a lot of shit to talk about. We're going to talk about only two things this week. The first of which you're hearing now is the Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, the Blackhawks Generan Block special report on the incident surrounding the meeting surrounding brad aldrich's sexual harassment and assault um dropped and boy did it drop holy cow it was like hockey shit christmas like (laughs) you know they released the report in its entirety as promised and in the same breath stan bowman resigned and al mckissick was forced out the two administrators that were left and implicated in the report having uh, McDonough gone before them and um, what else am I thinking of? Shovel day off and <clears throat> yeah. And shovel day off and Mark Bergevin and, uh, and Joel Quinville obviously at other locations right now. And it, the report was damning to say the least. Uh, that the Blackhawks paid for it and released it as promised to such consequences is pretty amazing. Uh, I don't think, you know, the consequences have quite lived up to what happened yet, but I mean, it seems like them and the NHL are at least sort of putting the airs of trying on. They did for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, Like we got maybe three days of like the NHL pretending to give a fuck about this. (laughs) Yeah. And, and we'll get to all that later. I think, you know, most important or not most importantly, first the, don't worry, we've got lots of takes on this. Yeah. There's Um, so many damn layers to this gross ass onion. Like, it's going to take us a while to sort of go through it. And so that's why we're dedicating a whole episode to it. Um, So because of this, um, these layers that, that Evan speaks of, we're just going to kind of go through the chain of events, not with what happened in 2010, but with what happened once the report came out, as Evan stated, the report came out and Immediately, Stan Bowman had resigned his post. But he was allowed to resign, not fired, not, you know, set out like in a burning trash can, not like. Well, he left the Blackhawks as a burning trash can. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, just desserts it would have been. He was not put out to pasture. Uh, He was allowed to step down and release a categorically shitty statement in his own defense. Yeah, uh, in which he apologized none for <laughs> yeah. hit, for like effectively ringleading the events that led to uh, both Kyle Beach uh, 
getting sexually harassed and then the cover up of this. And he apologized for not a single iota of it. He took zero responsibility. His resignation was more about the culture of winning that he had created and the steps they had taken since 2010 than any sort of form of apology whatsoever. And here's the thing. It's nice that you took steps since 2010 to like maybe kind of prevent this from happening in the future, but you still let it fucking happen, Stan. Like you are the son of the greatest hockey coach of all time. And you are a poo poo fart boy. Like this is disgusting. And his statement highlighted, you know, exactly what the problem was. It, was a culture of winning over all else. And that's what got them into trouble. And that's what allowed them to then dig their own grave. Once given the shovel, I can't express how disappointed I am as a lifetime Chicago Blackhawks fan. And this has undercut so much of the previous joy of watching their hockey games that I used to experience And used to take from the fact that they had, you know, won a couple Stanley Cups. You can't just erase what happened by Xing out Brad Aldridge's name on the cup, which apparently they did today. Yeah, my disgust is going to be something I'm going to have to work through in order to, you know, really consider myself a true fan of this franchise again. Just become a Sabres fan. (laughs) A Kraken fan seems most likely because of the proximity. But uh, yeah, it's hard not to root for the Sabres this year. Following in that chain of events, the NHL then fined the team $2 million, which is less than the Coyotes were fined for a scouting combine infraction, (laughs) and less than the Devils were fined almost a decade ago for salary cap circumvention with the Kovalchuk contract. The amazing contract of Kovalchuk, yeah. Both of the... That was a $3 million fine, and you know, the, the... Coyotes Gate was how much? Uh, four. And they both lost draft picks. Right. Chicago, $2 million for allowing a sexual predator to not only walk amongst your mitts, to stay there, let him celebrate and have a day with the cup, and then let him run free in the wilderness to where he could sexually assault other young boys. $2 million. Yeah, and one of the things that was released in the report that really kind of tips the scales in both uh, John Doe 2's Black Hawks suit and Quenville's implication is that uh, he gave Brad Aldrich a positive performance review on record after the meeting about his sexual impropriety allegations. That's insane. And... You know, thank goodness it eventually cost Quenville his job. He was, too, allowed to step down. But at that point, the pitchforks were out and the... uh, Mine's still out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the... the, It's going stab, 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 stab. stab. (laughs) That involuntary stab. We've worked on this, Jake. Sorry. It's back again. Uh, (laughs) The stabbies. Yeah. Looking back on this, like, Bowman is clearly the ringleader, but, like, Quenville might be the most dirty out of all of this. Like, in one of the meetings, he says something to the effect of, like, we can't let something like this distract us from our goals. And it's like, fuck you. Your goals are to protect people who play for you. Right. First, do no harm. 
then do the hockey. To the league's credit, one million of this, one million dollars of this fine will go to sexual assault survivor benefits, which will, you know, the league will then write off as a tax benefit, or the team will. Yeah, like there's always a dirty underside to franchises like this giving away money. It's going to make it cheaper when they file their taxes. Like, that's just America. Thanks. Bowman was then placed on administrative leave and then dismissed from being the GM of USA Hockey as we get close to the Olympics here in four-ish months. They then replaced Stan Bowman with Bill Guerin, who is also under investigation for sexual harassment. Yeah, allegedly, well, burying a sexual yes. harassment allegation. For the same thing Stan Bowman is guilty of. Really great job, Team USA Hockey, uh, replacing one persona non grata with someone who also probably should be persona non grata. Um, they're facing their own lawsuit. Yeah, it, that'll work itself out, hopefully, and we'll probably cover it in the future. But we've, you know, dumped out the dirty water and replaced it with more dirty water it's like it's like oh this water's clean bill why are you shitting in the clean water <laughs> damn it bill it's labeled clean water <laughs> and he's like not anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah jonathan taves and patrick kane were both magically added to the covid list as this all came out so they yeah. weren't available for comment and Oh boy, is that a good thing because their later comments are uh, bad. Yeah, uh, I encourage anybody to look up the transcript or watch those videos because it's just a case in uh, how to not do PR. Whoever had them listed as a client probably fired. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, you, you can fire your clients. Architects do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, PR people probably should have in this case. Kane and Taves basically came out and sort of came to Bowman's defense. Uh, Colin sort of did too and said like, they That's all not- said he was a great man. <laughs> right? No, he's not. He's just, okay. he might be a good person outside of this and that's fine. And a great competitor. But, but like now is not the time to es- like exalt the values, the positive values of Stan Bowman. You say, you know what? Stan Bowman and I go back a long ways and this he this was handled poorly and he you know is no longer with us for good reason and i wish nothing but the best in the future and my thoughts go out to kyle beach and the suffering he's gone through look at that better statement right there took me three seconds you should like do that for a living yeah like Like, just like just deep fake me on (laughs) jake monty uh on behalf of jonathan taves (laughs) jake monty athlete PR manager, <laughs> athlete for, spokesman. Yeah, or like a, a what am I thinking? Fixer. You're you're a I, fixer. Ooh, like that's a Mike, hell of a title. Like Michael Clayton. I could charge so much money for that. That would be pretty funny though. If like you know, deep faking Patrick Kane's <laughs> face onto yours, but my like stupid voice. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hi, my name is clearly Jonathan Taves. <laughs> And like, if I hated the person, I would give him goofy voices. Like, that's why I was going with Patrick Kane, someone you already did not like. My name's Patrick Kane, <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that Stan Bowman fucked up. <laughs> you know, on along those lines, their PR disasters go up there with someone from the Oregon Health Department last year at Halloween delivering daily COVID death totals in a clown mask. Like, that belongs in true PR hell. 
with all of these statements around Stan Bowman. Well, it's all a like lack of understanding the moment, right? Yeah. Like, read the room. Yeah. First rule of comedy. Read the room. Jonathan Taves, do you, there's not a funny bone in Jonathan Taves's body. No. He went to a comedy show once and in the middle of it, he farted and then walked out. <laughs> he probably ordered milk. Yeah. Him and Nathan McKinnon would get along great, except Nathan McKinnon would probably notice, say, hey, that guy who covered up sexual assault is not a great person. Yeah. Maybe actually read what his PR professional gave him first and not just wing ball it. And, like, Stan Bowman's been doing this thing for a long time. Like, he knows you have to go out and say the thing. You can even send Stan a text and be like, hey, Stan, I love you, but you obviously know I have to say these things. Mm -hmm. And Stan's going to be like, yeah, Jonathan, I'll see you at the country club at 3.30 sharp. (laughs) And then Jonathan Taves comes out and says, you know, Stan Bowman... While I have had a lot of respect for him in the years that I have worked with him, this really casts a a dark shadow over that first cup and our time together. And I just want to send my deepest sympathies to Kyle Beach and his family and hope for uh, hope that, you know, he finds some respite. Hey, look at it. I've done it twice now. That's two better statements than Jonathan Taves even came close to saying. Yeah, so we've kind of been getting at this for a while, but on TSN, Kyle Beach called in with, was it Rick Westhead? Yes. And the anointed one, Rick Westhead. <laughs> Let's just like get that out of the way. That dude is a fucking dynamo. Yeah, especially for his activities around this story and you know his dogged reporting when people like Elliot Friedman have kind of shied away from talking about it until uh, now. Yeah. Uh, at our Westhead on Twitter, if you are on the Twitters. But, you know, having a reporter like that makes it possible and more likely for victims like Kyle Beach to go and do what they did and gave give a very poignant, touching, and powerful interview detailing a little bit about how he's feeling and then apologizing more than anybody else in this situation so far. He apologized for not doing something sooner and like to have him be the person apologizing the sexual assault victim in this scenario more than any of the other adults involved is a travesty. It's insane. Like I kudos to this guy for stepping forward and giving the interview the way he did and like doing the right thing that 10 or 20 people have failed to do. Well, and he spoke up and he he said, I, I apologize for not doing something sooner. He did something when it happened. Yeah. And nobody listened to him. The NHLPA didn't listen to him. The Blackhawks didn't listen to him. The NHL didn't listen to him. Nobody listened to him or they listened to him. But in the back of their head, they went, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, <laughs> Stanley Cup. Let's, let's stay on Kyle Beach for just a second. Like the amount of courage that it takes a human to face the demons that have been perpetrated against them. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been John Doe number one for a long time now, and he has rightfully so had that blockade up to where he didn't have to face the public. He could allow his lawyer to face the public and let the courts decide this report effectively singled him out. Mm -hmm. Like, As soon as the report dropped and people read it, people were like, 
putting his name on Twitter saying it has to be this guy. Yeah, he he. There were details in the report that sort of, if you put they outed him two and two together, they kind of outed him when in concert also with the the legal discovery process and the lawsuit and stuff. You know, yeah, it, he probably did read the writing on the wall and know that his name was out there and was going to be out there more and that he had to do this, but he did it and he mm-hmm. uh, made a very courageous step that reverberated around the league and will have consequences probably for the union as well as the Blackhawks. Well, you talk about the the reverberations there, like something as simple as the entire Bruins organization sitting down and watching Kyle's interview together while seemingly kind of a, it's a great gesture, um, Mm -hmm. but something like that has the potential impact for both young players and vets on that team to say, you know, we also could do more mm-hmm. like, how many of how many people in the nhl know people who have had a similar situation to kyle beach and you know their day hasn't come yet you know they're yeah or it didn't have the same sort of reverberations yeah so kyle coming out and having such a profound and moving and courageous interview really kind of furthers or cements this idea that he is doing this for something bigger than him. Mm-hmm. This isn't about him. And, and, you know, on some levels, yes, it is about him. Like, right. But it's, it's more than that. And in that interview, you could tell that like this, this is not his moment. He's not viewing this as a victory lap. Like this isn't right. what he set out to do, but he is, is, you know, hopefully creating a platform for other victims, for other folks who have had these transgressions happen against them to have their voice heard as well. Hopefully John Doe number two's voice, even if it stays off the record, is heard now. You yeah. know, hopefully people are able to come forward with these who have experienced similar debilitating and horrific events you know, perpetrate against them, hopefully they feel emboldened and are able to use their voice and speak their truth. And we start to see, I mean, I don't want to see any other things come up. I would love to live in this fantasy land where this has happened (laughs) nowhere else, but hopefully the folk, because we know that's not true. Hopefully the folks who are out there who have had these heinous crimes committed against them, Hopefully this gives them some courage and gives them not courage because they've been living with courage their entire lives, Mm -hmm. but the, the, the ability, the like platform to Mm -hmm. actually speak their truth publicly as well, or in, in whatever way they deem in whatever way they deem suitable to their needs and what they need or what they want. Yeah. And confirming that he was John Doe number one. And then, you know, people kind of, putting together history and, and kind of taking then a look at his career, his career was derailed by this. He was a first on draft pick. He had things that were expected of him from a performance standpoint. And he was, you know, kind of on his way up to the big show when Brad Aldrich was using his, uh, his power over him to abuse him. And now he's in Europe. Kudos to him for working through hockey and still being a hockey player, but there were economic damages 
also perpetrated against him in addition to the sexual harassment. And he was maligned back in the day. And a whole lot of reporters have had to kind of eat their shit because they, you know, cast him aside, whether it was kind of official reporters or sort of, you know, lower kind of fan writing blogs. Like a lot of people talked a lot of shit back in the day about how he was a bust and a flame out. And obviously they didn't know, but that just underscores like, you don't know what people are going through. Everybody has their internal battles and to be too hard, even on athletes, you know, is showing that it, it shows that you don't give a shit about what people are like under the label and under what they're doing for you. And we all kind of need to do better from that perspective. So back on the chain of events. Mm -hmm. So the report comes out, Bowman loses his job. Al McKissick loses his job. Taves and Kane come out and say really stupid shit. Um, (laughs) In the meantime, Bettman, Gary, Gary Bettman, (laughs) uncle Gary of, of Gary Bettman fame comes out and says, I will have meetings with Joel Quenville and Kevin Shovel day off. And we will discuss the findings in the report and mm. we will go from there. Uh, in the interim, before the, those meetings can happen, Joel Quenville is allowed to coach another game for the Florida Panthers. Right. Meanwhile, which, everyone's sharpening their pitchforks and, and getting, you know, the rag soaked in gasoline. Like, if you're the Panthers, why? Yeah. Just say, hey, you know what? A lot of things. You know, today has been a rough day. A lot of things have come to light. In light of those things, we have asked Joel to not coach tonight. Mm -hmm. And he is meeting with Commissioner Gary Bettman tomorrow. And we will have a statement after that meeting. If he was on the Blackhawks, they would have just said, he has COVID. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the meeting with Joel Quenville and the NHL brass happens. Apparently the management um, for the Panthers was allowed in that meeting. And in that meeting, uh, Joel Quenville ultimately stepped down from his post. Mm -hmm. Again, not fired, not summarily dismissed. It's in my best interest and the interest of the team to step away at this time. You think, Joel? (laughs) I mean, I kind of think that he thinks this is still sort of not his problem. That's sort of what I gathered from the parts of the report that I've read is that Quenville just like didn't want to be bothered by this shit. He wanted to coach hockey and do that only. And I thought was sort of notable is Brent Sopel, who has been one of the few kind of paragons in the situation, along with Paul Vincent, the former Blackhawks skill coach and you know confidant of Kyle Beach, who brought all this to light and then was sort of silenced by James Gary. Brent Sopel released a statement that, again, kind of implicated more players in this sort of overall cover-up. It was very, it's very telling that there's been about 14 players to weigh in publicly on the situation, if you're counting Kane and Tay's bullshit statements. And it's kind of interesting that like Andrew Ladd, even still barely in the league, is kind of holding the line and all the players that are in the league are holding the line and saying, we didn't know anything at the time. Kyle Beach is courageous. We didn't know anything at the time. And then everyone that's out of the league, like Brent Sopel's like, yeah, bullshit. You guys all knew it was an open secret. And, uh, you know, this kid was getting harassed at practice and called the F-bomb by like a fellow teammate. 
who knew he was going knew what he was going through. Uh, yeah, the Brent Sobel releases a statement. The NHLPA and uh, or NHLPA president Donald Fair. It kind of comes to light that he was part of the shush shush of this mm-hmm. whole situation. Yeah, there has been reverberations for the union in that there, you've been seeing outspoken players like Wayne Simmons saying that they're kind of they have no confidence in the union in light of Kyle Beach's you know interview and then also after the fact he kind of detailed exactly what he did to kind of bring this to light and how much the union actually dropped the ball which has been kind of sto- a back part of the story but now is getting its full due in the front and the union is probably just as guilty as the Blackhawks. Absolutely. No, they're 100% just as guilty. Like, cause your, this is their fucking job. Your job is to protect players <laughs> and you let one get fucking sexually assaulted and then did nothing about it. Not a single fucking thing, except have your doctor tell him it was his fault. Yeah. And that's part of one of the big shitty things about this is this guy, James Gary, who I, I don't even think he's actually a doctor. Like, I think they, I think they just call him Doc. You know, he gaslit Kyle Beach into telling him that, into believing that he wasn't really experiencing what he was experiencing, and that's part of what allowed Brad Aldrich to go and abuse other people, including sexually harass other members of the Blackhawks. Like before yeah. he was, uh, well, not fired, allowed to go. Yeah, that's another thing that came out in the incredibly damning report is that Aldrich abused an intern before he left. In addition to abusing probably at every stop therein, now they're investigating his time immediately after the Blackhawks, which was at USA Hockey, and Miami of Ohio has released information kind of a few months ago, but he abused there. Um, at least two players at Miami of Ohio, and they're looking into his time at Notre Dame as well. I mean, let's be honest, though, who's better at hiding sexual harassment and assault than the Catholic Church? But... uh there was obviously smoke coming from that program and that you heard like players talking about Aldrich and how he was kind of buddy, buddy with all the players. So, you know, the likelihood that he abused at some level or at least groomed or tried to is very high. Uh, there was a meeting on this past Monday, November the 1st about Donald fair and his involvement. Nothing really came of the meeting, although there is still some expectation that he might lose his job and let's hope. Quenville, we already said that Quenville met with Gary Bettman and stepped down. The NHL released a statement about Quenville's uh, resignation and effectively told him, hey, if you ever want to come back, just let us know. You're a bud, Joel. You're a bull. Well, I don't know if I completely agree. I sort of read it as like a soft show cause penalty from the NCAA and that like every show cause penalty from the NCAA is soft. That's true. But yeah, like, okay, if you get back into the league, you're going to have to justify it in some way. But I think a lot of people's interpretation of it as you are making is valid and probably cynical with the right one. Then everybody was like, oh, well, Quenville's out. Kevin Shevelday off. You're next, bud. 
Ah, uh, uh, not so fast. The uh, pitchforks got intercepted at the Canadian border and were unable to make it all the way up to Winnipeg. They make, they made it all, right, all the way to Lake Michigan and then just got <laughs> stopped cold. Uh, it's because it's cold there. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Kevin Dayoff and Gary Bettman met and discussed the improprieties that were contained within the report, during which it is noted several times that Dayoff was present at meetings in which this was discussed and yet he is not being found culpable and therefore gets to keep his job. Yeah, I think there's a couple reasons for this. The, uh, the league is fucking soft. That doesn't he's care also, about sexual assault. Yeah, he's also, uh, in their eyes, kind of nicely insulated up there in Winnipeg where American media like, kind of is le- less likely to get their grubby hands on him. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, distance makes the implicated administrator maybe more likely to keep their job i don't know we were gonna send tyler bertuzzi to go talk to him but he's not allowed (laughs) yeah he also stuck at the canadian border um just like the pitchforks yeah you know being in winnipeg logically does insulate him a little bit being a executive and not a head coach does insulate him a little bit being an assistant gm at the time and not the The, gm not the gm and not the head coach at the time you know maybe makes him somewhat less culpable but like not that much no it doesn't he still had a a position of authority within the blackhawks organization knew about what happened fuck him he should be fired too yeah i mean he didn't say anything he could have leaked things you know a whole lot of people including him were more worried about their jobs than doing the right thing and that's part of the problem but being in a small market team and not being the coach behind the bench, it's not having a chantable name kind of like Quenville uh, in that like fans were chanting fire Quenville at any road stop, like fire Chevel day off is just a little bit harder for fans to kind of, you know, roll out. What about this one? Chevel day off. <laughs> Fuck yourself. <laughs> Look at that. It's channable. You should just, you should be, you the, get you, fired. Clap, you should be clap, like clap, the, clap, clap. I don't remember what the well, the next step in all of this was the league thinking that they had done magic <laughs> decided to step, step in front of a hot mic with Gary Bettman, Joel Bettman, Gary Bettman <laughs> and Bill Daly, Joel Daly, Bill Daly. John Daly? I wish. Um, Sitting down with reporters to talk about the wonderful job that they had done. They had cleaned up the streets of the (laughs) NHL. There wasn't going to be any sexual assaulting on their watch. Not anymore. That didn't go as planned. And it turns out when you invite the... Well, one of like maybe two. We'll we'll throw Katie Strang in there. Katie Strang has been incredible uh, about mm-hmm. uh, keeping the the uh, torch lit on this um, uh, on this subject, you know, in and keeping it in the media's eyes, along with Rick Westhead. But you invite Rick Westhead, and then you invite all of his friends, mm-hmm. who are all reporters. Who now that the report has been released, find some fucking courage, <laughs> and start asking questions of Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. Uh, one of the most telling was Rick Westhead's in which he asked if the same amount of 
therapy that the league has promised to pay for for Kyle Beach for the as long as he needs would be extended to John Doe number two, who ostensibly would not have been sexually harassed had the NHL done its fucking job. Mm-hmm. Gary Bettman, perplexed by the question, was like, well, that's a different situation and we're going to have to look into it. Just say you're going to do it. You're the <laughs> NHL. You're a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Give the guy some fucking therapy. Show a little bit of class and a little bit of consideration and a little bit of fucking empathy for somebody who was sexually harassed and assaulted by somebody that was employed in your league and you allowed to move forward. Just go that like minuscule step forward to show that you give a fuck. Couldn't do it. Gary Bettman couldn't do it. You know, as the questioning went on, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly got more testy. They were there to talk about their great triumph over evil. And everybody, again, now emboldened, was like, nah, fuck this. We're going to, we're going to lob bombs at you for an hour. Yeah. Like, how dumb do you have to be to not know that, A, reporters gather around sexual harassment like sharks around blood, and B, that you were going to face tough questions in this interview because this is not over. Chevel Dav's still employed. Fair is still employed at the union. Gary Bettman's still employed. Well, he's jeopardizing his own job by celebrating his quote-unquote victory. Let's fucking hope. So, you know, this obviously went as poorly as possible for the league and as well as possible for nobody. Um, (laughs) We did get some tough questions and some non-answers that came out of it. The league tried to kind of like pomp and circumstance its way into like talking about all of the advancements that had done. But ultimately promised almost nothing they did talk about how they wanted to open up the hotline that they have that is available for players and personnel in the nhl to call if they find themselves to be a victim of harassment and or many other things to all levels of hockey Mm. which would be a nice small step but like it needs to go deeper and farther than that and it can't just be about sexual harassment it has to be about the race the inherent racism that we Mm -hmm. see in the league or in hockey the inherent sexism that we see in all sports but also hockey uh all the toxic culture bits that are kind of inherent in this rather white and affluent sport and the nhl as the preeminent league in the world has the power to actually come forward and make progressive change on this front Mm -hmm. they they absolutely do and the fact that what we're seeing ultimately comes to more gross inaction really like as we were talking about earlier calls into question whether or not gary bettman and bill daly should continue to have jobs yeah the pitchforks for them are starting to get sharpened and like They've at least put out an order for gasoline. I know nobody listens to us, and so we don't really have quite the platform, but I'll just say it. Gary Bettman should be fired. Yeah. He I mean, should be relieved of his duties. The Now, he has made the presidents and the owners of these teams a lot of money, and let's be honest, what he is is a voice of the owners. Yeah, he's a whipping boy to take away attention from the actual owners who kind of inform and make a lot of these decisions so what needs to happen is the owners need to realize that their profit margins can go can become smaller because of this bad publicity 
and say, you know what, it's time to put somebody in here who will do something about it. And that's honestly is what it's going to take in order for Gary Bettman to finally be ousted as the, the, the president of the league. It's time. It's time for some new leadership. It's time for some new blood. It's time for new ideas that are geared towards building not only the NHL, but hockey in general as a culturally aware and a mindful mm-hmm. sport. Uh, one that is on the cutting edge of preventing all of these societal ills that befall all of our sports. You know, you can't stop everything, but you can do a damn good job of trying. Yeah, and you can put meaningful protections in place that could have stopped this kind of thing. And meaningful punishments Mm -hmm. for those who are actually convicted of these crimes or of these horrible offenses. And one thing that they did that was at least helpful in this regard is uh, they declared that all members of the hockey league are now going to be mandated reporters. I'm not sure if I've seen an actual like rule come through or just, you know, this be sort of verbally promised. But I mean, that's something that I called for when this started coming out and you know, that might make a difference the next time. Well, and one of the critical mistakes in all of this is that these teams thought that they were dealing with, you know, just because they were dealing with adults that they could just pass the buck then to those adults. And that's completely ignorant of power dynamics and how capitalism shapes how people can respond and act in trauma. Like if you're afraid for your job, no matter who you are, you're not going to come out and do the right thing because you know, you're much less likely to because we're human because we cave under pressure and because life can be really hard to stick your neck out. That's why a whole lot of people don't do it when these situations and they get swept under the rug successfully only to come out 10 years later to, you know, pull the rug out from the entire league. That's the, the last lesson here is that we know we can't eradicate these things from the world or even from the sports we care about, Mm -hmm. but we can do a damn good job of ensuring as much as we can that it doesn't. So many people who were in charge of things in this situation failed and Without accountability, without repercussions, and without... Because, I mean, these people... Stan Bowman lived for 10 years in a world without repercussions. Yeah, and probably quite comfortably. I'm sure very comfortably. And the fact that he's just now facing the consequences of his actions show how broken the system is. Yeah. The consequences for this action should have been meted out in late 2010 early mm-hmm. 2011 and because of that other because of the that lack of accountability without because of the lack of reper, repercussions for your actions multiple people were further victimized by somebody who should have not been anywhere near people whom he could victimize yeah and the lesson you know to people that are on the outside this but in similar situations should be that you're much more likely to preserve your own ass. If you do the right thing, as soon as you are forced to, instead of sweeping it under the rug because of a Stanley cup or your salary or whatever 
pressures you have from being overly competitive, you know, had these guys gone to the cops as coach Vincent had, you know, surmised, they all might have their jobs today. We might not be talking about them as anathema to the league and persona non grata. You know, maybe it wouldn't have ruined the Stanley Cups in 2010, 2013, and 2015 for a nation of hockey fans. Like, it, it's an absolutely despicable situation, and I'm pissed off that we're here. But we need to deal with it the best we can. And, uh, you know, hopefully there can be meaningful changes moving forward. I mean, we'll continue to sort of call for those changes and kind of outline what we think they are. Cynical brain says, hmm, not a whole lot's probably going to happen from here, but we can hope that Chevel Dayoff loses his job. We can hope that Fair is replaced. You know, we can hope that Gary Bettman and his dad jeans get sent packing. Um, you know, we can, we can outline and try and structure in, you know, mandatory reporting and protections for players and uh you know protections for anybody who is involved with hockey really correct yeah and you know unfortunately it ultimately takes people who are in charge of things to want to change things correct you know columnists and reporters and podcasters and bloggers and TV personalities can say as much as they want, but ultimately it, that that real power ultimately resides in authority. Yeah, absolutely. And if that authority is unwilling to make the changes that are necessary in order to make hockey a safe space for people, then the people who have authority over that authority need to act and you know whether that's the voice of the people the voice of the owners whatever it is the voice of the dollar Mm -hmm. whatever it is something needs to be done in order to make sure that the hashtag hockey is for everyone has kind of become a joke in the last couple of months Mm -hmm. because it very clearly isn't for everyone and so on a basic level we need that that hashtag to be true and until real meaningful change is made in the NHL, it's not. And, you know, we can we can only hope that moving forward that real change exists so that we can truly love the sport that we love as opposed to loving aspects of it and cringing at others. All right. With that, thank you for listening to us today. We've got a lot more coming. But we've liked to... Uh separate everything else from this issue both for respect for this issue and not to like bring some contagion to like other things we want to talk about so we're going to bring this episode to a close and and talk about everything else in another with that thank you so much for listening this topic especially is one of those that it, it just it needs a voice and it needs a platform and we're happy to be a small part of that so thank you for listening the story has already had effects. You know, Kyle Beach's story has already resonated in that there is a longtime uh, Chicago-based hockey coach that was similarly like shuffled from job to job and accused of things. And and this week, you know, new witnesses have come forward and 
made statements and, uh, you know, he may have to face justice because of what Kyle Beach brought to the table. Some good may yet come of this. We can only hope that this ball keeps rolling downhill as opposed to this like Sisyphean, just like war of attrition in which we're always trying to push a, a stone uphill. Yeah. And we're not done talking about this, but we've decided to make this the focus of this episode. And, and we'll continue talking about this because it's an important and still yet unfolding story. Uh, we've kind of reached a bit of a, a bit of an inflection point and, you know, with all of this information and all of these things going on, but it's not over. It's far from over. All right. And with that, thank you again for listening. We, as always, appreciate you greatly. You can find us on the internets at handsomehockey.com, the Handsome Hockey Podcast Instagram page at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, or handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. And finally, the Handsome Hockey Facebook page where we are posting other things that really need attention in the uh, the hockey landscape, as well as funny memes. And obviously you're listening to us somewhere, but we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Red Circle, and YouTube. Thanks again, everybody. While we always want you to stay handsome, stay safe out there, take care of one another, and... Honestly, it it sounds like a lame airport statement, but if you see something, say something and let's take care of each other. I can't quickly translate all that in French. So, uh, (laughs) restez beau, tout le monde.